Welcome to Business Ninjas, brought to you by Write For Me, where you'll hear from business leaders who are out there growing their business and slaying it every day. Learn from the masters. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back for another episode of Business Ninjas. I'm here today with Ashish Gadanish. He's the CEO and co-founder at BankU. Ashish, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kelsey. I appreciate it. Yeah, excited to have you. So Ashish, tell me a little bit about yourself. So, you know, I'm a co-founder CEO of BankQ, and I started BankQ with uh, one of my co-founders from a previous startup in uh, 2016. And, um, you know, we are a unique for-profit, for-purpose software company that focuses on creating traceability and transparency for global supply chains, but with a human element in a way that creates equitability for everybody in those supply chains. Interesting. Tell me, tell me a little bit more. So, um, you know, back in 2014, when I was uh, um, retired and volunteering in the Congo and Africa, I ran into an interesting problem, kind of that's led me to where I'm today. And the problem was that, you know, smallholder uh, farmers, especially mama farmers who work in extreme poverty zones, growing your coffee, cacao, rice, maize and barley um, are completely invisible. Um, yet, you know, you're paying $12, $14 for a latte in New York thinking it's fair trade, thinking it's 100% traceable, thinking it's um, ethical, and you know, in these days, thinking it's climate positive, right? Uh, but the reality is that's just not true. Because if you look at smallholder farmers who live in extreme poverty or waste pickers who live in extreme poverty, actually are the ones who are doing the hardest work for global supply chains, right? In terms of picking up your coffee or picking up your bottle um, that's gonna become recycled plastic someday. Uh, and the problem I uncovered that day was that these amazing human beings, although they are the most important part of the supply chain, cannot actually prove their existence in that supply chain. Um, so it was a twofold problem. One, brands really did not have traceability and transparency in their supply chains all the way to the last mile or first mile. And second, at a human level, these supply chains uh, were not equitable and it all came down to when one of the local banks refused to let a, a mama farmer open a bank account. And he said, I can't bank her, but I'll bank you. That's where the name comes from. Um, so that's where it all started. And in 2016, um, you know, me and my co-founder, Jeff, uh, who we had you know, worked together for a long time, built and sold other companies. We said, you know, let's try to solve this problem that nobody had ever solved before. Yeah, that's really interesting. So talk to me a little bit about some of, you know, how how you're able to support, you know, both both kind of ends of the of ends of the you know process, like you said. Yes. Look, I think I always, um, you know, I'm a big believer in, in the detail and, and the examples are critical. Right. Instead of just talking about theory, you know, because today we're live in 58 countries. We turned profitable two years ago. So we know what we're doing. Um, so let's just focus on a very concrete example, right? Let's just go back to coffee. Mm -hmm. If you um, purchase coffee in emerging markets like, you know, uh, West Africa, Asia, or Latin America, there's a good chance there's a smallholder farmer mm -hmm. who lives in poverty that grows that coffee. That coffee then comes to a cooperative or a middleman, and then that middleman will bring it to an exporter and then to an importer to a roaster and to your cup of coffee, right? It's important to kind of understand the supply chain. In that multi-tier supply chain, there are three problems, two commercial, one social. And the two commercial problems are, is the coffee company, or this could be a chocolate company, does not really know past its importer, exporter, 
who the farmer is, what are the uh, climate practices that might be happening at the farm level, are actually these farmers being paid, are the children in school and not in um, child labor. Mm -hmm. So their supply chain is fragmented and invisible, which makes it extremely inefficient. Mm -hmm. And on the social side, these are some of the poorest people in the world, right? You can look up um, information on smallholder farmers and their income hasn't really changed, right? So that's kind of where we come into play. We have built a software, supply chain software company that starts from the ground up. So right at the tree level or the soil level and connects everybody up the supply chain all the way to the brand and in the hands of a consumer through a QR code. Mm -hmm. So the benefit to the brand then is through our software, which runs on blockchain. We do not, and I'll repeat, we do not use cryptocurrency. <laughs> um, uh, it gives them a very detailed view as they peel the onion on their supply chain mm -hmm. all the way to the farmer. And the farmer who does not have a smartphone, only an SMS phone, start getting, starts getting this detailed history of every single transaction because, you know, I've learned the hard way that what you do is more important than who you are, especially if you are working in these extremely tough conditions. Mm -hmm. I hope that helps. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. So you gave the example of coffee and chocolate. Is there other industries that Banky works in or is it only food and beverage? No, so there's multiple industries. So, you know, we, we cover kind of that whole spectrum for sourcing, which is kind of agriculture, mm -hmm. mining. So, for example, you know, if you have a smartphone or electric vehicle, there's a good chance that the cobalt or the, um, you know, minerals or metals that are coming mm -hmm. are coming from a mine in Congo where there's forced child labor, right? Mm -hmm. So it's the same supply chain. Mm -hmm. And on this side, which is the recycling or packaging side, um, if you have a plastic bottle that's being recycled or glass bottle that's being recycled, it's the same problem, mm -hmm. right? The, the same problem exists on the consumer side where brands do not know how much of the plastic, paper, glass is actually coming back as recycled materials. So mm -hmm. if you think about us, think about us in three um, industries. One is sourcing, uh, which is kind of, you know, tied to agriculture and mining. Um, and then packaging and recycling mm -hmm. are kind of the two bookends. And what then ties it all together is compliance um, and auditability and traceability, right? Because right now today, you'll see a lot of people claim that they are climate positive or carbon credits, right? It's like the Wild West, right? And the simple question I ask is that if your company says they're going to have carbon neutrality, Mm -hmm. Can they actually prove mm -hmm. who was the farmer in Guatemala? Did the farmer get paid for the carbon credit? Mm -hmm. And was your coffee actually sourced from a carbon neutral or a deforestation free piece of land? Right. If you cannot prove it, then you're just greenwashing. Right. Right. So would you say one of the biggest challenges that your clients face before they start working with BankU is kind of like you said, that that traceability and then um, transparency? Would you say those are the two biggest issues? Yes, actually, it's become three now. So, so, three. so initially, it was the traceability and transparency, right? not knowing where your raw material like mm -hmm. coffee, cacao is coming from or not knowing where your plastic or glass is being picked up or batteries now in the recycling business. Mm -hmm. Right. A third one now has become a bigger, bigger pressing point is compliance and mm -hmm. auditability. 
the new EU regulations around deforestation-free supply chains, actually proving your carbon credits instead of just making that up, has suddenly woken up companies because now there is um, you know, accountability and fines if you cannot prove the traceability, transparency, and the compliance. Mm-hmm. There's laws now. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like, you know, you've you've successfully scaled other businesses. Talk to me a little bit about how, you know, you've watched BankQ scale over the years. And, you know, was there a point where you said, you know, we're really on to something. We're really we're really doing it. Oh, great question. Oh, my God. You know, every day is a battle. I'm just being very <laughs> honest with you. Right. We're we're in our eighth year now. And uh, I don't take any day uh, for granted. Right. Every day is a fight. Um, it's here's why, because what we're doing is so unique yet absolutely needs to be done and and has never been done before right so there's never a moment where we take a deep breath and say okay we made it no mm-hmm. um i think over the years what we have realized is that you know companies um, um were starting to think about sustainability uh, and climate in a very romantic way and i'm just being very brutally honest here um, and the challenge was to get people to do the real work, right? It's easy for companies to stand up and say, oh, we are ethically sourced. But if they cannot name their farmers, then how do you say you're ethically um, yeah. sourced, right? So I think what has what, what the challenge and, and the evolution of BenQ has been is to always be true to who we are, which is at the end of the day, we are traceability and transparency as far as the brand wants to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so we knew that from day one. Uh, but over time, we've also recognized that companies uh, need time to actually unfold their own supply chains. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we start and say, let's start tier one, let's start tier two, you know, like the cotton issue with the Uyghur Muslim um, uh, issue that's happening in China with the cotton mm-hmm. is unethical. Most companies don't even know where their cotton comes from, right? And so you have to start small and then bring them along. I hope that answers your question. No, that does. That does. And, you know, I think it's important, too, to recognize the, I don't want to call it discrepancies, but the lack of support that a lot of the workers are working through. And I think that BankU has found a really great niche for itself to be able to, you know, call out those, you know, um, dis- dis- disparities isn't the word I'm looking for, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> actually, to be, you, you actually, disparity is the word, right? If you got the right word, here's why, because think about, you know, the, the cotton t-shirt that I'm wearing, right? Most people don't recognize that that cotton t-shirt starts at a farm where the cotton seed, right, is separated from the fiber, right? Then it goes to ginning, then it goes to yarn, then spin, cloth, and then you're finally wearing it. Mm -hmm. Along the way, there's a lot of disparity. There's a lot of discrepancy because the factory could be in Bangladesh where a Rohingya refugee could be in forced labor making it. Mm-hmm. The ginning could happen in the Uyghur region in China, where, you know, people are being held in encampment, you know, zones in forced labor, right? Um, so, so there's a lot of discrepancy and disparity in terms of income, human rights, mm-hmm. um, yet people will say, hey, this is an ethically sourced cotton without really knowing. Mm-hmm. So you're right on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. So, you know, talking about onboarding process, you know, when, when somebody starts to work with BankU, what does that look like? Walk me through the platform. Yes. So the platform is a software platform, right? We're software as a service platform. We're for profit, for purpose. Our business model is simple. We sell an annual software as a service license fee, just like you would purchase a salesforce.com 
or an Oracle, right? And the process of implementation is a very, um, you know, what I call a crawl, walk, run approach, right? So the first thing we do is sit down with the brand and we map their supply chain in our sandbox. So tier one, tier two, tier three. Oftentimes companies will hit a, a brick wall there and say, hey, we really don't know past tier two. Yeah. So what we do is then what we start peeling the onion and say, okay, let's go from tier one to tier two. Let's look at who the suppliers are. And all the time we're putting this in the sandbox so they can see it in real time on their dashboard. Yeah. Then you go to tier three and then over you know, a 12 to 18 month period, um, they will then get finally to the smallholder farmer mm-hmm. or the artisanal miners if you're in mining or on the recycling side, it could be a landfill or a buyback center with a plastic, ocean plastic yeah. or you know, glass is being picked up, but it, it has to happen very systematically. Yeah. I hope that helps. Yeah, I know. And I imagine too, that might be difficult for companies. I can imagine just them walking through that process and realizing, you know, it's not ethically farmed. Like there's a lot of issues with there. I can imagine that must be a hard process for companies as well. It is, you know, and I think it's, it's getting better. Um, and this is, you kind of mentioned uh, competition when we started the conversation, right? And this is kind of where, you know, I think our co- competitors have, uh, in my humble opinion, not really been um, clear, right? So our focus is that you have to peel the onion and keep going, right? A lot mm-hmm. of competitors will say, we'll give you aggregated data. Mm-hmm. And so the aggregate data, just going back to the cotton example, right? If you get aggregated data that said, well, the shipment that left Shanghai and got to Bangladesh with the yarn, um, we know where it came from. Yeah. And then people says it's ethically sourced. That's actually not true. Right. Right. Because if that shipment in Shanghai couldn't be traced back to a Uyghur farm, then no matter how traceable your solution is, doesn't matter if you use blockchain or not, you still are looking at aggregate data. Right. So what is happening is companies um, are starting to realize that, wait a minute, the aggregated information is actually not the true solution. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where we have to, first of all, help them unlearn that. Mm -hmm. And then as BenQ rolls out, they can go all the way. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say, kind of pivoting a little bit, what would you say one of the biggest misconceptions, you know, either about, you know, BenQ is, or, you know, about ethically farming, you know, materials or, you know, traceability, what would you say one of the biggest misconceptions is? Oh boy. Good one. Um, So look, I think the biggest misconception um, is that um, technologies like blockchain, right, cannot actually go all the way to extreme poverty zones where you have farmers, because the misconception is um, poor farmers won't understand blockchain, right? And I really kind of take offense to that because I've never met a poor farmer who wasn't smart, right? Women are smarter than men. We already know that. Um, and people have this misconception that, you know, the people in these uh, markets cannot handle technology. And the way we've broken it is that our entire software works through SMS mm-hmm. at the farmer level, okay. at the waste picker level. We work in local language to break that misconception. And most importantly, we do not use cryptocurrency, right? So everything that's going to, we actually integrate with normal local currency. So if you go to the Zambia-Congo border today, for the last four years, the smallholder farmers who are using the BenQ technology through SMS, right? Mm -hmm. So no smartphone needed, get paid in mobile money, local currency on their SMS phone. So the mamas can pay for the school fees 
and not have to cash out because if you cash out, it could be dangerous. Right. Right. So that's a big misconception that people have that, oh, my traceability solution uh, will never get to there. So that's why I'm going to kind of go with this aggregated intermediaries. And I, and I try to break that and say, guys, that smallholder farmer or that waste picker in Zambia or Colombia has an SMS phone and has equal rights in the supply chain. You just haven't peeled the onion layer. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that's one of the the differentiating factors between BankU and its competition is that you're able to, you know, not just take it at surface level and say, hey, we, we understand that it may be coming from a region or an area that you're able to get down to the individual. Do you think that's one of the differentiating factors? Yes, I would say that is probably one of our big differentiating factors because we don't own the data. And, you know, your listeners might think, wait a minute, what did he just say? We don't own data because we run a non-database blockchain. So the farmer, the cooperative, the aggregator, the brand, they all own their piece of the data on blockchain, right? And that's kind of one of our biggest competitive advantages is because that farmer gets an equal copy of the transaction through SMS. And that same copy exists with the CEO of the coffee company or the beer company, right? And I think that is kind of for us, you know, who we are, right? We started this company because we wanted the supply chain to be equitable. And that has become our biggest competitive differentiator. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. So, you know, Ashish, as we kind of wrap up this conversation, is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with just, you know, knowledge, you know, either about BankU, about about anything else? Well, one quick thing I did want to add, right? So like, you know, the, the, and which kind of ties to your question too, is, you know, that, that individual at that last mile, right? We also uh, capture the geolocation and why that is important. You know, a lot of people talk about ethical sourcing or carbon credits and all that stuff, right? And one of the things that we're trying to educate the market on is that you cannot do any of that if you physically do not know the location of the source. Mm -hmm. And that is kind of what I would like to leave the audiences with. As you hear about traceability, transparency solutions or ethical sourcing, you know, forget me, forget BenQ. You have to ask the question, can you go all the way back to the polygon or the piece of land where you think you got your carbon credit? Or can you go back to the actual, you know, uh, street side where the waste was picked up and ensure that that mama waste picker or that farmer was compensated and ethically treated Mm -hmm. while the product is moving in the supply chain? It's just basic, right? It's not complicated. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's really interesting. And super important, obviously, too, to, to have that information. Absolutely, because it, it, it then gives you the credibility to stand up in front of your consumer and say, yes, this T-shirt that you're wearing is ethically sourced and I can actually trace it back to a cotton farmer, mm-hmm. right? Otherwise, it's just, you know talk, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Ashish, this has been a really great conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time to be on Business Ninjas today. Break down Bank You, break down the importance of, you know, being able to track transferability or um, not transparency. Transparency. I, there's two T's. Transparency. Tra- <laughs> compliance and then, transparency. Compliance and then it. also equitability too. I appreciate you being on Business Ninjas today. Thank you, Kelsey, for the opportunity. Hey, Are you a business ninja? Want to be interviewed like this? Give us a shout. Go to www.writeforme.io, W-R-I-T-E-F-O-R-M-E.io, and schedule a time to meet with us, and we'll make it happen. 
keep slaying it, y'all.